Welcome to Experiencing God's Goodness. My name is Michelle Corgett, and today I want to invite you to join me as we hear stories of how individuals have walked through some incredibly difficult times and found God waiting for them in the middle of their darkest hour. We will hear some awesome testimonies of how God has shown up time and time again in the lives of these individuals and how they have experienced God's goodness. Today on the podcast, I get to tell my story. And to be honest, I have hesitated to tell my story. Although few know it, I have felt that even fewer have understood it. When I say my story aloud, I feel like I sound crazy, but this is a common feeling for those who are dealing with a loved one with borderline personality disorder. Through battling about how to approach my story, the Lord has made it very clear to me, I am supposed to share it. Not to air the dirty laundry, to seek vindication, or to seek validation. No, I'm to tell my story to be a source of hope to those who may be walking in these same shoes today, to let you know that you are understood and you are not crazy, and to help you find God's goodness at work through all of the messiness that this life is handing you on a silver platter. I'm sure that my story begins much earlier in my life, but as far as I can recollect, my childhood was blessed. We had, you know, family stuff, as I assume all families do, but I do not remember mental health issues being a part of our family story until I was 16 years old and really lived unaware of the severity of what was going on until I was about 18. Valentine's Day of my junior year of high school was anticipated to be an uneventful day in that I did not have any love interest and it was a Saturday with nothing on my to-do list. So I sat down at the piano and played Moon River for the umpteenth time because it really was the only song I knew well. My dad had left the house to run errands and my mom, she popped her head around the corner and said in a really serious tone, I need to talk to you. I quickly reviewed all of my actions, trying to figure out what had I done wrong. I remember feeling anxious as we sat down on the couch because I was sure I was to blame for something, even though I was historically a really good kid. Looking back, this was a sign that something was not in my, right in my relationship with my mother. My reaction of automatic self-blame should have been a red flag, but I was unaware of red flags at this point and sat to take a listen to what my faults were. Instead, my mother told me that she had decided to leave my father, that I would remain living with him, and that I was allowed to talk to my youth pastor about it. This was pretty much all the explanation given, and so I did just that. I got on the phone, called my youth leader, and went to his house where I was allowed to process through all the shock and the grief of the situation. Within the next several years, I separated myself as much as I could from my parents' marriage drama, and I threw myself into school, social, and church life. I kept myself busy and had a mantra. Hey, it's not my marriage. It's not my problem. 
My relationship, though, with my mother during this time did take on a new dynamic, which was confusing and guilt-ridden for myself. My mother had become angry and hurt by me, but I hadn't done anything to hurt her. Again, I was always trying to figure out what I had done to incur her anger. The one thing that she verbalized again and again was that I didn't need her anymore. In my teenage mind, I thought it was supposed to be normal for me to become less dependent upon my parents. But in these early days, my mother became more and more dependent upon me and upset when I didn't reciprocate. On days that she was particularly upset, she would say things like, It would have been better to not have a daughter than to have you. The first time that she said this, and it would not be the last, I remember being in absolute shock. I'd been laying on my couch at home and talking to her on the phone. She had told me things that I had not wanted to hear about her past, as if I were her therapist, and then blasted me with this hurtful sentence. I remember the tears just streaming down my face, but having nothing to say. I was not, and I am still not, a person who deals well with conflict, and I'd been specifically taught to be respectful to my parents. If I ever gave attitude, it was never in purposeful opposition. I don't really remember exactly when my mother had started to talk about her depression and anxiety, but it was around the time that my parents had separated. She would tell me things like she wasn't eating because she was too anxious and felt sick all the time. During this time, she had lost lots of weight. But it wasn't until about a year later that I found out she had been hospitalized on several occasions due to suicidal ideations, threats, and even attempts. It had been kept from me to either protect me or to spare her from having to tell me her choices. She struggled with depression for years. That dependency that I spoke of earlier had also grown. So when I had a chance to go away for part of my college experience, you better believe I jumped on it. This natural distancing allowed me to have room to finally spread my wings and be guilt-free about it. I could go on to tell of many different incidents that occurred over the years, but the pattern of these incidents remained consistent. My mother would have feelings of hurt or fear of hurt and do or say things to push me away, and after a time, I suppose a time of reality taking hold or possibly the simple fear of not having me in her life, she would either act as if nothing had ever been said or she would set up a crisis which seemed to draw me back. I became really good at setting emotional boundaries for myself, of which she translated, of course, as being hurtful. But that's what I did in order to maintain my household and myself. A sense of manipulation by my mother was not uncommon, although in later years I came to realize that this pattern was not planned out schemes or purposeful ways to get my attention, but instead almost instinctual. It was a pattern of coping mechanisms she had developed to protect herself from being abandoned or rejected. It was a part of her mental health disorder that came as natural as syrup on pancakes. 
I promised you in the beginning that I would tell you how I found God's goodness through all of this. I can tell you that he was there the whole time with me. From the day that I felt my life being shattered by my parents' divorce to the day I buried my mother in a pine box overlooking cattle grazing in a meadow, God continuously reminded me that I was his child before my parents' child. During the early days of my mom's mental health issues, I didn't have any capacity to truly understand what was happening. I think back to those times, however, and I remember a song my youth choir sang that became an anthem I held so close to my heart. He is here, let's celebrate the presence of the Lord. He is here, the Holy One. Oh, let him be adored. He is here to worship him is such a sweet reward. He is here in our midst. He is here. He was there and I knew it. I never felt alone and abandoned like Job, David, and even the Israelites felt while wandering in the wilderness. And I was in a definite wilderness. But I couldn't understand how my mother, who had been so instrumental in the development of my faith, could feel so abandoned and be making such bad choices for herself during this time. It wasn't until years later that I would realize that her faith is what did get her through her darkest hours. As time marches on, so does life. I got married, I started my family, and my mother also remarried and moved out of state. I'm not going to lie, this distance again helped improve our relationship at times, while other times I was faulted for not being there more for her. She had seemed to find victory over the deepest parts of her depression and anxiety, and she no longer experienced suicidality as far as I knew. After being out of state for approximately 15 years, my mother was diagnosed with stage 4 ovarian cancer and bravely fought the cancer for over four years. During this time, her mental illness did not take a break, nor did we have a magical reconnection. I supported her as much as I could and as much as I was allowed by her. As my mother was beginning her journey into hospice, a well-meaning relative confronted me on my unforgiveness. They, of course, had no idea of what the reality of our relationship had been, nor the fact that I had forgiven my mother. I didn't hold any anger or hurt toward her. But if someone were to burn down the barn, we can forgive them, but it doesn't mean it takes away the fact that the barn is still destroyed. I had and have forgiven my mom, but unfortunately, that relationship would not ever be what I had hoped for. In her final months, I spent about a week at her house and went through many of her things with her. It was difficult to go through a person's life in front of them and discard much of it, but also that week was held going through years of memories, photos, and treasures. One interesting thing that unexpectedly brought about some healing for me was going through her books. She had a wonderful library of self-help books. As I went through her collection, I found that she had underlined, highlighted, and written in a great many of them. 
Most were from that very dark time in her life when she was in and out of mental health facilities. This was a reality check for me. A reality check that she had tried. She had sought help and wanted to be different. And I believe found some victory in areas of her life. Unfortunately, her fear of abandonment was not conquered. Today, I realize that she did her best and that her mental health issues were not her fault. Although the jabs felt personal, it was the only way she knew to protect herself from a perceived threat. When she took her last breath on this earth, there was a sense of relief. A relief that she was no longer suffering her body or in her mind. She was now experiencing total healing before the Father in Heaven who never ever abandoned us. It has been almost five years since she had her home going, and I grieved, but not in what I suppose is the normal way of grieving. I grieved never having a relationship with my mother that I had yearned for. Again, in God's goodness, He has provided wonderful mother figures in my life who have poured their hearts into me, and I don't discount this at all. But there is something about that primary relationship that one yearns for. Maybe as you listen today, you too have found yourself with someone that you indeed love and you value, but mental health issues have robbed you of experiencing a healthy or fulfilling relationship. I am sorry you are experiencing this, but know that God is still good. You know, I always find it intriguing as to what leads us to desperation for God. When we are skipping along through the lovely meadows of life, we are content right where we are. There is no need for growth. There is no need to surrender our needs and definitely no need to be reliant on anybody else except for ourselves. It isn't until we find ourselves in a dark and desperate place that we realize our need for God's hand in our lives. He may not have given you the relationship that you yearn for, but he can fill any void. Today, I end with this thought and prayer for each of you. If you have a loved one, whether a parent, a sibling, a spouse, or even a child, who has a mental health issue, and you are more than aware of the dark places that I have spoken about, let the Lord walk with you. He wants you to be reliant on Him, and He wants to carry you through the valleys of what can sometimes seem like emotional death. Dear Heavenly Father, we surrender our lives, our hurts, and our relationships to you. You know the details of each of our stories, and the cool thing is that you care about the details. I ask that you will meet us where we are at and remind us every day of your presence. You are here, and you are worthy to be praised. We thank you in advance for the healing that you will do in our hearts and our minds, and that you will draw us ever closer to you. Amen.
We're so glad that you could join us for today's podcast. If you're interested in experiencing God's goodness in your own life, and you would like somebody to pray with you, there's a 24-hour hotline that you can call at 1-800-700-7000. There is somebody on the phone ready to talk to you so that you too can experience God's goodness.